If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. So now I have a question for everyone in the room. How many people use Pandora? Wow, that's great. We're, we're, we've got Pandora here. Tim Westergren. You didn't see that, but they, they all use it. Follow up question. How many pay for it? Not bad. That's a, that's a, high, that's a high number. Well, these people, have money. These people have money, you know. <laughs> so、um, there's a lot to talk about、uh, in the whole streaming music area.、Uh, and you're in a particular, you have a particular model that's different from some of the other companies.、Um, we were just talking about how we first met in. 2001, when he was doing the, what was called the Music Genome Project, which really led to the, your ability to、yeah. match music, right? right that、yeah. was the idea. The foundation of Pandora, yeah. Foundation of Pandora. But I think I'm going I'm to let you start by making you have an announcement, you have a new feature, and let's do that, and then let's talk ab- about the broader stuff. So why don't, why don't you talk yeah, about that? Yeah, so, so very exciting kind of、uh, new chapter for us.、Uh, we've been working for a long time on essentially building a foundation that will allow artists to begin, ha- begin harnessing the audiences they have on Pandora. As you've gotten to very big scale, a lot of artists have big audiences that love their music. And a few months ago, we surfaced what was sort of the first part of that, a data analytics piece called Pandora Amp, the artist marketing platform. Where an artist can now essentially free、uh, claim their identity on Pandora and be able to log in and have access to all the data around their music. Every song that's spinning, the thumb up, thumb down activity, the demographics. They can see literally a map, a heat map of their audience、uh, across the country. And this includes like how many people have made stations around them? Yes, by day and by month. How many people, even if there's stations around another artist, are listening to them in that station? Exactly. Because、so、they're what, considered、yeah. similar to that other yeah, artist. Yeah, it really gives them a, a complete view into their music performing on Pandora. So, really valuable information, helpful for the working band. We now are beginning the next chapter in that, which we call artist messaging. Which will allow artists now to be able to record and send audio messages to their listeners. So, people on Pandora listening to their music that have thumbed their songs up, that have created their stations, sort of 
short announcements that will play to those listeners. But it won't play to people that don't listen to that. No, very, very targeted. Uh, and it's the beginning of a much longer roadmap, which I'm happy to kind of go into yeah. if you want. Yeah. So, Where's but it it's going? Really exciting. Are you going to have a whole social platform? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe the best way is to kind of jump into the future and say, imagine this. Uh, you're in a band, uh, which I was for many, many years. Um, you're driving from San Francisco to Seattle to play a show, which we did many times. And you decide, let's stop in Portland tomorrow night and play a show impromptu. Pull out your smartphone, log into your Pandora AMP account, zoom into Portland and take a look at your audience there. So how many people in Portland have thumbed up your music or create a station with it? And then record a 15-second audio sample that says, hey, this is John from such and such a band. We're playing tomorrow in Portland. Hope to see you there. Load it up. And over the next 24 hours, that little audio ad plays in Portland. It only to, plays in Portland. Only in Portland, and only to people who like that your kind of music that have, that have demonstrated an interest in it. So it, it becomes kind so of. So your 22 fans in Portland <laughs> are able to come out. <laughs> and so to that point, so Pandora now has over 80 million listeners a month uh -huh. on the service. And we play a huge range of music. We have a very long tail of performance. And what that means is that we now have large audiences for thousands of artists. There are now over 12,000 artists on Pandora who have more than a quarter of a million unique listeners that have created a station using their name. So the self-declared fan. So these are large audiences that will have more than 22 people in Portland. No, I was just and, thinking and, no, no. of you and your band <laughs> oh, yeah, that's running true. around. That, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Um, and maybe this will become the engine for kind of supporting kind of the working musician in much larger numbers than ever okay, before. Okay, but so the future you were starting to talk about, <laughs> yeah. are, uh, what's the me is there a messaging platform? Is it a social thing? What are you doing? Right. Because it sounds, it's a little bit like, you already have ads, audio ads, so this is a little bit like an audio ad for the band, and it's also, I assume, you might not like the way I'm putting this, it's a little bit of a knowledge branch to some of the artists that don't think they're making enough money from Pandora. It's a nice thing to do for the artists. And, yeah, yeah, but so, it, yeah. What's the... Yeah, so if you step back, what we're doing is a handful of ingredients here. There's detailed knowledge of an individual's listening habits. I get it. Geographic and understanding where they are, the ability to communicate with them, plus scale. That's all now under one in one engine. And the next step is, how do you turn that into essentially a CRM platform for musicians? So you can start, you can imagine things like you want to make a record. You can send an announcement to crowdsource, to crowdfund a record, to your 326,222 listeners on Pandora that thumbed up your music. Say, hey, we're making an album. Can you put 50 cents in the tip jar? Or you want to announce in a lo local show. Well, are you going to build a tip jar? Maybe. It's, that part is kind of the easy part. The hard part is getting to where we are now, and now we can think about how do you put that power of that in the hands of musicians. What about if I want to talk to the musician? That's what you'll be able to do. So you'll be able to control your messaging to artists in a very, very personalized way. But not, this, this is not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm, one way. I'm sort of painting. But eventually I'll be come. able to talk back to the artist that, yes, I, exactly. that I like. Whose station I made. This kind of sky's the limit of how you can kind of grow that communication pipeline. Well, but so do you want to become the, the Twitter or Facebook for this particular thing? I think. Or is, would it be a completely different 
way. I'm not sure I would sort of try to create an analogy. I would just say that a musician needs to find a way to build a sustainable career, and this platform will allow them to build a patronage, an audience of patrons for them, and we're going to create the ability for them to do that. So that's exciting. It's, it's, I wish I was in a band. Thank now. you for coming here, and, and, and you wish you were in a band. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier. Um, and, and announcing it, but let's talk about the broader thing. It seems like after many, many years of struggling, and I wrote any number of columns about the reasons that it wasn't, didn't make sense to go to these early streaming music services, uh, that streaming music has arrived. I mean, obviously, uh, downloaded music is kind of falling off a cliff. Uh, streaming music is rising. We have Spotify is probably the best known one. We have Beats, now in the hands of um, Apple. Apple, yeah. Uh, somebody with, who makes 70, sells 75 million phones a quarter. They own them. One presumes they're going to do something uh, with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have YouTube starting a, a streaming service. They've all, they're already streaming on demand for free. I mean, you know, uh, lots of pe uh, people... If they want to hear a song, they just go to YouTube. Then, even if they really don't care about seeing the video, they just yeah. want to hear the song. So it's arrived, and yeah. you're there, but you're not—you're barely making a, a profit right now. You've got, and despite the 80 million, uh, and you're subject to these bizarre, this bizarre licensing rule. It's my word, bizarre. You didn't say it. Uh, you feel free to uh, exchange or uh, rules that are set by who? The copyright office? Yeah, the federal government, essentially. Yeah. The federal government. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're about to make another ruling that could raise your costs uh, because there are a bunch of labels and a bunch of artists that really don't like this, mm -hmm. that really think they ought to be making, you ought to be forced to make separate deals with them and mm -hmm. give them more money. Why are you still operating under those rules when all of a sudden it seems like streaming could be a viable business? So that, that kind of comes back to a basic hypothesis that we have as a company, which is that we think most people uh, like to spend most of their time with music in a radio format. So they don't have time to really curate their experience, create individual playlists, go buy lots of things, and really spend time administering it. They want to hit a button and be entertained. What, that's, that has been the genius of radio for decades. You know, you hit a button and it plays stuff you like. That is, we believe that that fundamental consumer habit has not changed. And if you look at the data, still close to 80% of the hours the average American spends with music is listening to radio. And that's in spite of all these services that you've mentioned. And it's a very simple reason I think we don't have time. And music is fundamentally something you do while you're doing something else. It's a background experience. So. You're right, there's a lot of activity in music space. Most of it is actually around this on-demand streaming form of Spotify. Spotify, too. Beats, you know, RDO, so many companies right. that are doing that, Rhapsody. Sorry, RDO, wherever you are, I should have mentioned that. Um, so many companies uh, doing that. We don't fundamentally compete with that form of listening. And we've seen that sort of year after year. So. That, that will grow, that will develop over time, but we feel really comfortable that we're landing and we're sort of focused on the biggest opportunity. But you're not really just hit a button and listen, because 
the basic mechanism, the very, very basic mechanism of Pandora is to make a station. Yes. You've got to make a decision. Correct. I'm listening to a song. I can make a station from that song. I can make a station from that album. I can, you know, I forgot all the different options, but mm -hmm. I've got to do something yeah. if I really want to customize it for myself, yes. right? Yes. yes. I grant you, it's not like the old days sitting there with iTunes and making a million playlists or ripping CDs mm -hmm. you know, in the very beginning, but it's not nothing. It's and, and we aspire to that. Like, we wish it could be just a button. Uh, and we try to get as close to that as we can. Uh, and then, the challenge is, once you've made a promise to someone that you're going to play this radio station that they'll love, how do you deliver on that? And it turns out that is a fantastically hard a problem to solve. And, and for us, there are really two big ingredients to that. There's the Music Genome Project, which you alluded to, that we've been working on for 15 years now. A large team of musicians manually analyzing songs along hundreds of attributes to understand their intrinsic DNA and using that to, to create correlations. And the second piece, is the feedback from listeners, which we now have over 50 billion thumbs up and thumbs down from listeners. Those two are married together to create what we believe is by far the most effective playlist personalization engine around. And as other services have come and gone, we feel like we've kind of proven that over and over again. You're not impressed with uh, Beats's idea of a human curation or the ability to go and say, I'm a rock fan, so I'm just going to take this Rolling Stone magazine suggestion. Mm -hmm. And they have many, uh, I mean, you know, if you're country, they have the equivalent in country. If you're uh, like dance music, they have the uh -huh. equivalent there. They, in other words, they have expert curators. Yeah. They believe in curation just like you do, but they are doing it. And they have uh, uh, other musicians who curate, whatever. What's wrong with that? Yeah, we don't really fundamentally believe in the curation model, which is kind of the single expert deciding in country, here's what you should listen to. What we're trying to do is, using the genome, have you indicate what kind of music you like and then allow you to formulate that with the thumbs and tailor it over time. Uh, and in the end, you could probably argue about what's the best, best way and disagree. It, what you have to look at is listening. And our listening, listenership keep, continues to grow, not only in overall numbers, but in the, the number of hours per month. So the average Pandora listener listens over 20 hours a month now, and that's been rising. So yeah, we think we've really figured that. that so if you've out. got this huge number of people listening, this huge amount of, of, of actual uh, activity a month, all this data, why aren't you hugely profitable <laughs> Why, 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 why aren't you so, such a big deal that Daniel Leck wouldn't have ever even thought it was worth it to start Spotify? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that, that uh, Pandora's experience since launching has kind of been the equivalent of a keep out sign from internet radio because it's been such a tough slog. We, we were profitable last year for the first time. And the, the primary reason for that is sort of twofold. One, we have an enormous royalty. Was it a big profit? No, it was modest. Um, but... We have an enormous royalty burden. We pay north of 50% of our top line revenue uh, in royalties. And we are really creating a new category in advertising. So we are really the first company to really sell at a large scale uh, audio advertising on internet radio. And that has been a long process. Uh, it's, it involves a lot of technology. It involves a huge people investment. So we have now salespeople, local salespeople in 40 markets across the US. 
we've had to put a lot of investment into people and technology to support them. So that is growing and it's accelerating. Uh, we just crossed a real big milestone in sort of revenue efficiency recently. Um, so that's a long answer to your question about why it hasn't become quite well, as I, I mean, But it raises in my mind two questions. First of all, if you're paying more, I think you just said you're paying more than half your top line revenue yeah. in royalties. Right. Is that a good business model? Just on its face. If you're in business school and someone said, here's a kind of a company you can start where you're going to pay more, more than half your top line revenue in license fees to some government yeah. system that you can't really change. Well, look, it's part of what makes all licensed music businesses challenging. Some pay more than that. You know, our target that we've announced is around 40% uh, in terms of uh, royalty share back. And we've paid over a billion dollars of royalties now. And frankly, as a musician, I, I support that. We're proud of that. We want to pay a healthy amount of royalties. But the business really starts to work at scale because your costs, for all intents and purposes, are fixed on an hourly basis. So once you can build your monetization beyond that, the business really starts to take off. And our focus for the last you know, nine years has been building that capability, growing the audience, growing listenership, but really developing our ability to sell ads, and we just keep getting better and better at so it. So you're a 15-year-old company, but in some ways you're, we should think of you right now as yeah. in sort of launch phase, <laughs> well, startup we're, we're, mode. We're, we're nine years in. You know, Pandora was launched in fall of 05. Uh, the IP began in 2000. The, the, the sort of development was 15 years in. Okay, nine-year-old company, yeah, yeah, but this is the moment when we should think of you as... Yeah, and I, I look at some companies, I think Amazon's a great example, uh, but there are many, Netflix is one of them too, who I think their timing is such where they, they, they look ahead and see an enormous opportunity. And the way they run their business is not how do we maximize near-term profitability, it's more we could own a big piece of that gigantic market if we keep our eyes focused sort of further down the street. And that's the way we look at this. Radio is changing fundamentally. I mean, people already, kids view it this way, and I think over time everyone will. The word radio will mean personalized radio. It's moving from broadcast to the web. We are now 80% of internet radio. So it's coming in our direction. Technology is pushing it all in our way, so connectivity, car connectivity, smartphones, all that kind of thing. And so we say to ourselves, okay, we're 80% of this market. It's a gigantic market. It's coming our way. Let's make sure that we don't take any shortcuts to getting as big a piece of that as we can. Advertising, which you mentioned. You, you said you have 40 people doing 40 that? 40 markets, markets. Hundreds and hundreds of salespeople. Hundreds and hundreds of yeah. salespeople. I could be wrong about this, but if, you, if I listen to my local... FM station, which may, might be owned by iHeart or some big uh, conglomerate, but nevertheless, there's a lot of really hyper-local ads on radio. Mm -hmm. There's the look, it, you know, it, it's not Toyota's national ad yeah. campaign, it's the Toyota dealer in town, yeah, yeah. who may own five Toyota dealerships, but I mean, it's that person. It could be the plumber. I hear ads for the, the dentist. plumbing yeah. company or the dentist or the vet. Yeah. Or whatever it is. How do you get those hyper-local ads? Or don't, aren't you trying? No, you're, so you're right. 70% of broadcast radio revenue is local. And that's, we're targeting that money. And in some way, we take local and, and even make it even more 
are targeted. So a broadcast radio station would sell sort of an entire DMA. We can go zip code by zip code. So a mattress discounter could sell to people within just driving distance of their location on Pandora. And they could further target it to only men, or men in their 40s, or men in their 40s listening to country music. With bad backs. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Men in their 50s. Okay, men in their 50s with bad backs who listen to country music and who are within five miles of a mattress discounter. Exactly. Okay. The, yeah, the potential is quite extraordinary. It's a little labor-intensive, it sounds, to get those ads. Um, it's actually not. Uh, the, we've done a lot of sort of heavy lifting to create kind of the, the product underneath it. It makes it relatively easy for a salesperson to plug in a campaign and establish some targeting criteria, and off it goes. Why are there lots of artists and labels that really don't like you at all? <laughs> and want to force you to negotiate deals with them and feel like, despite the billion dollars that you pay, what they're actually getting for each play of their song is uh, way below what it's worth and mm -hmm. not enough to make a living on and all the rest. Well, I think there's a handful of things at play. One, of course, the music industry is, is losing its primary source of revenue, the CD sale. We're moving from a $20 item to a $1 item. But that's item. not news, Tim. That's not and news. That's been going on for a and while. And it's not of our creation, and it's, but it's continuing to create economic, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, undermining the industry. So it's an emotional time, and it's a time when the industry is looking for ways to replace that revenue. So it's a, it's so a, for a while, they thought they'd replaced it with iTunes. Right, but now and, that's, that's, and that's the, gone south now. So I think it's, you start off with a kind of a charged environment. And then uh, in terms of the, the royalties, it's easy in that environment to, to sort of misunderstand things. Misinformation can, can get easily amplified and artists can develop sort of, I think, a flawed notion of how these businesses run and what's good and what's not good for them. I think the way to look at Pandora is this is a company that's building a product that consumers love, 80 million plus a month. We are working tremendously hard to build a business behind it. Uh, we're projecting over a billion dollars of revenue next year. We have this massive ad sales force and a bunch of technology investment in it. And we're sharing that revenue very uh, fairly, I think, with the artist community. Well, but, but I'm asking you why a lot of them don't think it's fair. You think it's fair. Yeah. I get that. There's a simple reason for that. You seem like a nice fellow, so, I mean, you, but you think it's fair. <laughs> But they don't think you're, you're being fair with them. There's a simple reason for that, because you can write a headline that says, my song got played this many times on Pandora and I made this much money. And what it does is it fails to understand that a single play on Pandora is a play to an individual, where a play on radio is played to hundreds of thousands of people. The actual apples to apples number is more like $1,300 a play on Pandora. So that's all by itself has created a lot of, I think, misunderstanding of the business. That's the notional apples to apples number. Yes. Not exactly. the actual, what's the actual number? No, no, it's, it's a, approximately, if, the, if, 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 if broadcast radio paid the same royalty we were paying, it would be in the neighborhood of $1,300 to spend on broadcast radio. But that's a kind of if thing. I mean, the actual royalty they get every time their song is played on Pandora? It's a fraction of a penny per play per person. Well, some people don't think that's, I, I mean, you know, is there anything you're gonna do about that? Well, I think that what will happen over time is um, the royalty will be sorted out. We have multiple places to do that. And looking forward, as we develop these platforms where artists are using this to reach fans, to, to harvest their audience, the benefit of this 
will become, I think, increasingly clear, and I think it'll, the, the debate around royalties will be put in, in that broader context, and I think it'll make a lot of sense to be uh, Just quickly, the, because the clock's running down, the royalty will be sorted out means what? Means you're open to raising the royalty? So there's, there's an arbitration process where it's handled, so there's actually a hearing, dispassionate judges determine what it is, or it's done through the direct, direct negotiation, so there's actually kind of a mechanism for sorting it out. Okay. Um, there are two big companies that seem to me to be looming as threats to you, Apple and Google. They seem to come up in lots of these discussions. Um, one threat seems to me to be what if Apple um, builds Beats music, Beats streaming music service into every iPhone and iPad and maybe Mac, it's just there. and. Maybe you don't have to use it, but it's there, and they give you a some promotional thing. And at the same time, as has been reported uh, multiple times, they somehow succeed in this campaign they're apparently uh, doing to get the licensing fee down, so it's not ten dollars a month mm -hmm. for the paid thing. What what if that happens? So, I mean, you're on lots of iPhones and lots of Apple stuff. Yeah. Um, what happens if? They put Beats front and center. Well, I, I would be surprised if that didn't happen in multiple, uh, with multiple companies. I think subscriptions will become a very widely available and probably increasingly inexpensive option. There's some floor where that, I think, it can't go below. But I get really back to what we believe. Well, if you have $180 billion in cash, yes, you can might subsidize be a little lower it. floor. You can subsidize it. Um, but it gets back to what we believe about listening, which is fundamentally people want to hit a button and lean back and be entertained. And the, the price of subscription, the ubiquity of it is one piece, but that doesn't change the fundamental habit people have, which again, hasn't changed over time here. But there is a way to hit a button in Beats or Spotify without right. building a playlist. Or, right, and then it, that gets to... They even have radio, what they call radio, right. both of those things. And then that gets to how well do you deliver that, that promise you make to, to, to play a, a station someone loves? And that is a tremendously hard thing to do. And, and we feel we have built something that is so much better that we can withstand other alternatives. And, and remember, then, iTunes Radio was launched not that long ago. It was put in front of its entire audience of consumers, and it didn't impact our growth at all. Okay. Google. Mm -hmm. They're starting some kind of... of uh, streaming service inside YouTube, which is already where a lot of people go to listen to music, even if they don't watch the video. Why isn't that also a big threat to you? I think, same thing, same answer. I think the, the YouTube is primarily an on-demand consumption. Um, do they build radio? Perhaps they will. It comes down to how high-quality product can you build. And we've been at this for a long time, so coming up on 10 years, and we really understand uh, things like the cold start problem. When you know nothing about anybody, about a listener, what they like, all they've given you is a song or an artist, how do you play not just one hour of music they love, but 100 hours, 500 hours, keep them engaged? How do you start from zero? Uh, that's tremendously hard to do, and Pandora has mastered that ability. So we actually feel pretty good about our ability to compete, and we're not a small service ourselves. You know, we represent 9% of all radio, uh, we have a good, I think, uh, foothold on the, in the industry. Okay. Questions from you Pandora lovers out there? Yeah, I'm a Pandora lover. Steve. Uh, 
Yeah, how important are cars in the um, distribution and how important is Apple's movement into not building cars, I don't think they can do it, but they are clearly building car, designing car entertainment systems. Uh, do they own that? Do they, you know, only offer their own stuff? Or yeah, that's a great question. So half, just about half of all radio listening happens in cars, so clearly it's a key category for us. We are now embedded in every major OEM car, I think over 130 models now. Uh, majority of cars coming off the factory here have Pandora actually embedded in the car dash. So you bring your smartphone, which brings Pandora into the car, but then you control it on the dashboard. So it's becoming an increasingly kind of seamless experience in the car. We will continue to double down on that. We've been there from the beginning, uh, so central to us. In terms of the platform approach that the likes of Apple and Google have also uh, been taking, our experience is they don't discriminate against apps. You know, they, they want usage. Uh, and the car companies, by the way, want that too. Uh, so, you know, Pandora is in, in numerous car advertisements. Uh, the car companies want to control that environment too. So I don't, we don't view that as a big threat. We view that as just another way into the car for us. You don't think CarPlay or Android Drive um, will exclude you? No. It, it'll in just favor be of each of their own things? No, that, that, that historically has not worked. Okay. Over here. Hey, Don. Uh, following up on the the car question, is there any plans to do geo-targeted ads, kind of like Waze does, while you're driving? Obviously, drive time is is a prominent time for Pandora listeners. It's when I use Pandora in my mm -hmm. car most of the time. So while while I'm driving, you know, prompting me with an ad that's relevant to where I am, yeah. as opposed to, for instance, I, I just moved from New York three months ago, and and Pandora still thinks I'm in New York. Yeah, they yeah. still advertise stuff like that. Yeah, so we'll figure that out over time based on your listening habits and your IP address and ask you to change your zip code. Um, but uh, uh, I think in the long run, as a consumer's comfort with location-based experience grows, we'll certainly um, be a fast follower in there to allow more targeted advertising. That, you can imagine a day where you're, you're on the road listening to Pandora and an audio ad comes up and it says there's a, there's a uh, you know, special on tonight at, at this uh, such and such a restaurant, you know, um, and the prompt is to, to have us send you an email, say send email. You hit your audio uh, voice dictation and answer Pandora with an audio command and it sends an email to your smartphone, you know. Those pieces can all get connected, so absolutely. Over here. Hey, Tim, Rodney Jerkins here. Hey. Um, I asked a similar question to, the, to Richard from YouTube this morning. He kind of gave me the run around. Mm. So I'm, I'm hoping because <laughs> you're a fellow musician that you can answer this question. Pharrell Williams, the artist, mm. makes $250,000 from Pandora for Happy. Mm. Pharrell Williams, the producer, songwriter, makes $2,700 from Happy, off 43 million plays, which is about 60 bucks per million plays. Mm -hmm. What are you guys going to do to change the model so songwriters and producers, the creative content, the content creators, yeah. get properly paid? As myself, who's a, a songwriter, and I'm listening to my songs on, on Pandora, it's kind of embarrassing to actually receive 
these checks sometimes in the mail that can't even take care of, you know, our family's monthly uh, uh, mortgage or allowance, knowing that we have a hit song that just garnished 43 million views on your station. So what are you going to do to actually change that? So let me, let me tell you, sort of speak of that from a couple different angles. Yeah. So one, you're really discussing a ratio of performer to composer. Yeah. And that has been established by federal law and consent decree over time. So 4% of revenue goes to publisher, the composer, and about 50% goes to the performer. That's the way the law is set up right now. Mm -hmm. We don't have a quarrel with that ratio changing. That's not really, should it be different? Should it be 50, should it be the, should it be the same? That's not really our quarrel. And I think that's to be figured out from the content side. And I think that performers would say, we should get a lot more because we're on the road 200 days a year and we have all these other obligations, it's fair. Again, we're, we don't really have a dog in that fight. That's, that's to be figured out there. So I think that ratio is one question. And then in terms of the raw amount, I'll kind of get back to what I said before, which is, so we made a small profit last year. We're gonna do north of a billion dollars next year. We have and a team of 1,500 employees, about 1,000 probably, whose job, full-time job is monetization on Pandora. And we're giving 50% of our revenue out to the, to the industry. So we are, we are sort of working as hard, as fast as possible, and are incentivized to do so, certainly as a public company, to generate as much revenue as possible. And a big piece of that's going back to the industry. I don't know what more to do than kind of what we're doing with that, that regard. Uh, and I think this industry will grow over time and as the platform and these capabilities I've talked about through Pandora AMP start to kind of take root and artists understand that, I think it will be, uh, I think this, I think there'll be a greater understanding about it. And not to be forgotten, Broadcast Rio does not pay performers anything. So every hour that goes from AM FM to web radio, this is kind of the big elephant in the room, is a huge positive move for the industry. You know, radio is a, broadcast radio is a $16 billion, $17 billion industry that has never paid performers. So Does it perform pay songwriters? It pays songwriters, but not performers. Yeah, but his point is about songwriters and... Right, but he mentioned both. Um, and, and so, I think one of the most positive economic shifts in the industry is this move from broadcast to the web because of the monetization, so... But just to, we, we really are out of time, but to summarize your answer, mm -hmm. he's basically telling you to lobby the government about the split between how much the artists make and, like you're I mean, saying, they don't have a For the ratio, there. certainly. I mean, it's, it's very simple. Your answer is very similar to what the guy from YouTube said as well. And I feel like it's the runaround. I do feel that, I do feel that Pandora pays more than, than the YouTubers and, and the Spotify. Mm -hmm. But I feel though, once you embrace the creative community, the writers where the, where the actual content begins because um, and you being an artist, as you know, there's no, there's no artist without a song. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Okay. Thank you very much, yeah. Tim. Thanks, Paul.